Welcome back to the I Am Symposium, this, this growing gathering for the winter solstice that's going to run from December 21st all the way to January 6th on the 12th night. And today I have a new friend with me who was part of a mastermind that I did this, this year to, to move me back from writing Winds of Spirit to marketing Winds of Spirit. And this symposium is probably part of that group. And so I wanted to have a few of the people who I actually am now associating with because you always have to have the tribe that's at the next level. So we have our, our, our tribe that we write with and then we have the tribe that we market with. And, and, and I, I tell you that because if you're at home and you don't have your tribe, get your tribe. Get the tribe that you want to strive to be tribe, the tribe that holds you when you, you know, you're in tears like I was this weekend when I was like, is this cold ever going to go away, tribe? You know, you need all of these different people to hold you. And my spiritual teacher told me that, look for the new tribe that's going to hold you as you birth this book out into the world. And let me tell you about our guest today. Christine Egan is a healthy living advocate, author of The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer, and part owner of non-toxic cosmetic brand, Life on Mars Beauty. She ran a half marathon after ending 33 radiation treatments and a full marathon to celebrate her remission. Today, she leads the hashtag Redefining Healthy movement, teaching women around the world how to feel healthy in their bodies now, not after losing 15 pounds, finishing cancer treatments, or quitting their dead-end job. Christine has appeared on national and local news as well as the, in the Yoga Journal, Better Homes and Garden, and Live Happy Magazine. She has also given talks for major running brands, Saucony and New Balance. Christine lives on Long Island, New York with her husband and three children, and she could be found at home. Well, welcome, Christine. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And one of my friends who, who's been watching said, take off the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so we can see you. I know. Clearly. So can I be happy wearing glasses? I'm not sure. You could tell me. I love this idea about can you be happy when you have those extra 15 pounds? Yeah. Well, so the, the whole um, part of how I came up with this whole idea of redefining the meaning of healthy is, um, so I was uh, leading this really healthy lifestyle for 25 plus years. You know, I birthed my three kids at home. We lived off of um, the land. You know, we have this big front yard garden. We have a backyard garden. Like I knew where all my food came from. You know, I like to say I lived this like crunchy granola lifestyle. Um, and then as a certified health coach, you know, I had this whole thriving private practice where I helped women in my community be healthy for themselves so that they in turn could be healthier for their families. So it really came as a shock to me when I was diagnosed with breast cancer seven years ago. And I really took on this persona of being healthy, even though I had cancer. So I needed to redefine what it meant to be healthy for myself as I underwent these cancer treatments, both alternative and traditional. 
But as I went around literally the world talking about my book, The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer, so many women um, were talking about health as something that was not achievable, right? It was something that was like out in the sky, something that we can never get to, or this, um, I, I'll get healthy when. And that's how this whole um, movement started of redefining the things in our life that we need in order to find true health. So we can have health even when we have cancer, because mm. there are other things in our life that make us feel healthy, even though we might have this horrible illness. Mm. And, and, and blessings on that. I had one of my first clients as a, like really when I was a practicing shaman was somebody who came to me with four stage breast cancer. And you know, she kept saying to me, I want you to cure me. I want you to cure me. I said, you know, I said, I love you, Elizabeth. Sometimes the cure is death. And she just would have a tantrum about it. And people used to say, you're the healthiest person with four-stage cancer. You know, she had the food. She had all of the things. You know, we went to see John of God. So talk, let's talk about that. What's the difference between healing and curing? Because I'm sure you've had to contend with that in your own life in order to run a half a marathon and a marathon and run a busy household. And, and you're involved with health all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be quite honest. You know, that's like a seven-year journey, right? And I'm going to tell you what... And I'm going to say this transformation really happened within this last year, meaning, you know, I help so many people as they go through cancer, as they finish cancer, and myself included, but our intentions, my intentions have changed. So like I might drink a green juice and all this time I was thinking this green juice and these supplements or whatever else is going on, these are things that are, are preventing cancer. Right? Like I'm doing this as a cancer prevention. I had like this thought like recently that these intentions, I think I'm holding them. Like I, I could be better served if I change those intentions, meaning I'm doing these things because they make me feel healthy, not because they're keeping me cancer free. So if I'm drinking this juice because I know how great it makes me feel, regardless if I get cancer again, so by changing that thought process of I'm doing X, Y, and Z to keep me cancer free, yeah, I could be doing all those things, but I'm really focusing in on the now. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good now. It makes me feel energized. It makes my mind feel clear. It makes me you know, less moody. Um, but the intention of why I do the things I do has changed from being so afraid, back off, back off, no hmm. cancer, to... I'm doing this because I know how good it makes me feel. And, and I can absolutely relate to that. As I'm sitting here, my raw food chef brought my weekly juices yesterday. And I, even this weekend, I started to question, you know, this, this flu that's going around. I don't know if you've had it yet in Long Island, but, you know, three weeks. And God, I wonder what the people who do, who don't drink juices and don't eat salads and, and don't eat organic and, because I think we, that's a fallacy that we think that eating healthy makes us immune to, you know, the things that are going on in the world. Yeah. Well, I think it relates back to the wind. As, oh, the wind, the wind. I mean, it's so true. Like, um, 
how we, like, I love one of the examples that you're talking about in the book. Like, if you're on a sailboat, you can't go directly into the wind. It just doesn't work. So I feel like that's like so, it's such a metaphor, like about surrendering and figuring out a way to make you get from point A to point B without that, mm, right? The tacking. <clears throat> I forgot, that should be in your bio too. She's a wonderful sailor. She spends many weekends sailing. And, you know, I thought the wind was a metaphor too when I first started. I remember years ago, the shaman said, and, and this will be an interesting thing uh, for you to, to contemplate too, was that one of the, the things that we had to worry about as we moved forward into this decade or this century was that viruses and illnesses would be spread by the wind. Mm. And so we're talking about a world that's pretty toxic out there, you know, the, and I don't want to be a downer Debbie, but you know, Fukushima is still leaking into the ocean and we can go all here. So how do we stay healthy when we're living in a, such a toxic environment? Yeah, well, actually, that's one of the things I wanted to offer as my giveaway today to your people is like simple ways to keep your home toxic free. And when I say toxic free, listen, this is like the overall arch, right, of like being able to tune in to really listen to the messages that your body's telling you. Like, for example, I have many clients that have allergies. And when we remove simple things in their house, all of a sudden they can breathe and they don't have sinus issues. <laughs> they weren't in tune enough to see that using this Febreze air freshener was really <laughs> like just like basic things like a Febreze or a laundry detergent or, you know, some scented candle that they've been using for months on end. Um, how that affects them. And when we can, you know, simply make simple changes in our household, we can then realize what effect it has on us. And let's talk about that as a chef. You know, people always wonder what makes a chef a chef, like what makes you a really a good chef? Well, it's your nose and your tongue. And they might be really interconnected. So for me, I have never been able to have a scented candle in my house. I've never been able to eat any of the artificial sugars, even the ones that are plant-based that people are now touting like the next best thing since sliced bread, you know? Um, so how do people, is there something that you suggest to your clients, how do you become more refined to the scent? Is that on your sheet? How you start to notice, oh my God, this this pine scented candle has no scent of pine. And <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's basically I, I, on the giveaway. I think it's like five things to look in your household to see if you have and just eliminate them, eliminate them from your house for like two weeks and see if it makes a difference. And I'm telling you nine out of 10 people write back and say, yes, this was huge. I didn't know I've had this candle burning. I do one every season. So many people stop me because I just did a new segment on it. I'm like, Christine, I got rid of that candle and oh my gosh, my sinuses are better. It's it just being able to tune in. And it's the same for food. How you just brought up food. Like people don't understand what true food tastes like because they're so used to eating processed food. So it takes time for people to wean off processed food to taste real food. And, you know, I teach over at the college and, and, you know, the other teachers are teaching them how to cook for the masses. And I'm sitting there, where'd your food come from? Take those gloves off, feel that food, have a relationship with your food. Let's talk about how people prepare their food. 
and don't prepare the food. Are you somebody who cooks or not cook? Oh yeah, no, 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 cook. We just harvested our last, um, we had three huge kale, lanchonado kale uh, in our garden and we just harvested the last bunch of it. So I made huge pots of soup, um, a white bean soup with kale and then we, we uh, dehydrated the rest to make kale chips. And yes, so I know what it's like to massage the kale, to put the olive oil in it, to, to cut each onion, I know where my food comes from. Most of the food we grow ourselves or we get from a locally supported, um, we belong to a CSA out here on Long Island. Um, yeah, no, we're, I'm very in touch with my food. And so are my three kids. Um, I have three young adults who all know how to cook. We, after my cancer diagnosis, one of the things that we did was re, we redid the kitchen and we built this huge kitchen island so that five people could be around it without being on top of each other with the intent of us cooking together as a family. And that might be a nice challenge for people listening to actually get a group of people together over this, over this uh, you know, period of time that we're, we're meeting and cook a meal together. You yeah. know, there's nothing... When I was one time in, in Chile with the shamans and one of the days we spent making drumsticks <laughs> and drums and the, the shaman said women have, and, and not women, women, men have, well, she was talking about women, let's be real, <laughs> have lost the art of crafting together. Mm-hmm. And, and I consider cooking as part of that crafting experience. And there's nothing like that. So what if, do your children like to cook now? Do they? Oh, they- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Huge, huge. Um, they all know how to use an Like, I mean, they're older now, but I'm saying like they all know how to cut an onion. I didn't know how to cook, cut an onion until like I was like 45. Like I didn't know how to slice it on a staff and then like make, <laughs> dice it. Like I didn't know. I didn't know what lanchonado kale was until I was in my 40s. Like they know what it is. They know how to prepare things simply to make it taste really good. And they're very in touch with um, actually cooking the food with their own hands and, and knowing where their food is from. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really important here is, and I think you could talk into this, you've been on this journey for seven years, you said, and this is when you had the breakthrough. I mean, I've been doing juices now for a few years and I didn't just change overnight. I, from stopping to McDonald's to packing my, my meals when I traveled took a process. So talk about the process of change that you've noticed with your clients. Yeah. I think the people that, um, well, okay. There's, there's several types of change. Some people can make the actionable changes pretty fast. Some people don't have a problem taking 30 supplements, like that's a no brainer to them, like no struggle. Some people don't have a problem getting rid of sugar in their life. Those are really not the issues. Like those are manageable for most people by the time they come to me. But the part they have problems with are all those internal mind body changes that need to take place. So the things that are easy are the actionable ones, the ones that we see the quick results from, but the real work comes in that mind-body, that mind-body connection, the intention. That's where it takes a lot longer to make long-lasting changes. And where would you suggest that somebody starts? Because for me, dropping the sugar isn't the easy one. 
When I think about going on a diet, I find myself over at Wendy's having a hamburger. Um, so these mind-body changes, I know for me when the chef brings the juice and it's in the refrigerator, I'm lazy, I'm going to go for grab the salad and stuff like that. So how would you suggest somebody, you know, we're getting towards the new year. How would you suggest somebody making simple changes in the new year in their refrigerator that might be helpful? Um, I'd rather say pantry than refrigerator okay. only because I say refrigerator because most live things are in your refrigerator, right? Live things are all good. Well, I can't, I don't, I don't even know what would be in people's refrigerator that wouldn't be a real good source of nutrition. I'm thinking more like pantry, like processed foods. Things are in boxes, right? Those are, we want to eat real food. That, I mean, very basic is not eating food from a box, right? And that's like a simple um, challenge for most people is really to start with breakfast. So, you know, tune into, are we making a smoothie? Are we are we eating oatmeal? Are we eating cereal from a box? Like, what are we eating and how do we feel 30 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later? And that's usually where I can start with people is breakfast. Um, and the other big thing that it's a really simple change for people to do is to drink more water. That's really, I mean, that's, that's really where I start with people is water. And one of the easiest way to get more water in you is to set a glass of water next to your bed. And before your feet touch the ground in the morning, gulp down that glass of water. Before you do anything, your body is so dehydrated. Hydrate your body before your feet even start in the morning. That's a great way to start off your day. That's so funny because when I used to do boot camp, um, the, he, he got me going on that. So every day I have like an eight ounce glass of water on the counter. As my coffee's brewing, I make my water. Yeah. I mean, drink my water. And, and it, so sometimes these changes are cumulative. You don't even know that you've changed. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that the water first thing in the morning is like a great way to start off your day. So you're starting off your day with something that's really healthy. So let's like get that momentum going to start making better choices throughout your day. And let's talk about the big C, okay? Uh, one thing that, that I see in this, this um, Western society that we live in is if people get an illness diagnosis, all of a sudden that becomes their life. Mm. It becomes their focus. They get on that slide and all of a sudden, you know, they're listening to just what the doctors say. How do you discern the difference between the messages of what the doctor's saying and what your body's telling you? How, you said you use both kinds of treatments. So I think it's a prevalent enough issue out there with what one out of every three women experiencing some form of of cancer growth in their life. And it's just a maladjusted cell. So what do you tell these people to, how do they digest this diagnosis in their life? Well, I think, I mean, the, the first thing that I tell people is some, some baseline things. One is just because a doctor tells you something doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. So that's like the first thing is like we automatically forget, like if this doctor's telling us that we have to start treatment and we have to start today, it's like you always could say no. 
regroup and make another appointment. Like people forget that, like that they're still in charge. Even though this horrible thing has happened, they are still the CEO of their body. They still have the ability to make um, decisions in their life. Um, I recommend that people get what I call a board of directors, bring on family and friends, trusted people that you could always run pat things past if you're unsure of yourself. And then another thing is like to really learn how to listen to your intuition. Has your intuition, like are you in tune enough with your body to listen to the signals that your body's telling you? Another thing I tell people is you could always say yes to a treatment and then say no to a treatment. You could say yes to chemotherapy, but get to that fourth one and be like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to continue. Guess what? You don't have to. Like no one's telling you you have to. And if you do have a doctor that's bullying you into doing something, then that is not the doctor for you. You want to be with somebody who respects and listens to the things that you say. So if your body's telling you, I've had enough, then honor and listen to your body and then make a decision without making a decision from fear, but from a, from a place of empowerment rather than a fearful base before you make any decision to do uh, surgery, treatment, alternative treatments as well. And, and I absolutely agree with that. You know, like I've just come through this really, uh, I, it's been interesting this whole time that I've been struggling with this virus that's going around in the desert. And, and you know, everyone wants to tell me, have you been to the doctor? Have you da 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 Everyone has an opinion. Finally, what I got last night when I went out for my little wind walk, which was around my courtyard, not around the whole development, was that consider yourself a woman who's giving birth, <laughs> who's been told to stay in bed for the last 16 weeks of your pregnancy in order to have a healthy child. And wow, that changed everything. So tell us about some of your aha moments, like when you knew you were like, in your in your authority in your sovereignty i mean i i interviewed nine doctors before i found one <laughs> like people are i like i forget that because like i lived in that like of course i was going to interview doctors like people like oh my god you mean you didn't have to just go with the first one that you met no i interviewed nine different people I wanted to be with somebody that I really connected with, who understood me, who knew that I came from this healthy background, that I wasn't this person that was unhealthy and then got to this place. I wanted someone that was going to work with me. So that was one of the things that made me feel really empowered was that I was choosing who was going to be on my team. Mm -hmm. um, another thing was, you know, I said no to a lot of uh, traditional treatments. And I said no from a place of power, again, because I had studied statistics. You know, I was doing all this background research before I went into a doctor's office. So when they said X, Y, and Z, I came up with, you know, studies and said, but look at this, or can you look at this and give me your opinion? And then I've been to many alternative doctors or alternative healers where I've been there and I'm like, this is not for me. Let's hightail out of here. So it's, it's really spending the time in those spaces to see how you feel. Um, you know, even when I went to one of the um, doctors that I, the alternative doctor that I wound up doing treatment for um, with, when I got there, I really thought he was going to give me a pass. 
And when he is one of the one that said to me, no, I really think you could benefit from this low dose chemotherapy with the IV vitamin C, I was really, really heartbroken and started sobbing in that office because I really thought that this guy was going to be the one to say, nah, you're healthy enough. <laughs> and it was, you know, surrendering to that saying, okay, if I'm going to do some type of treatment, let it be this type. Um, but again, it was getting into those places, getting into those offices, meeting those people, being around that energy, doing some behind the scenes research to figure out which was the best course of treatment for me. And I just want to say something, because as you're talking, I think that this goes for everything. When you're hiring a business coach, when you're thinking about a mastermind, when you're thinking about the plumber, you know, this week, you know, when the videographer who's going to, you know, all of the components of your life, so often we, we just accept the first person who comes along as an authority. And what I hear you saying is, no, your body is the authority. Yes. Tell me. And this is unscripted. So everyone listening, she's getting these questions as we roll. And she's beautiful job with them. Tell me about the day that you got so mad at your body that you just, you know, the meltdown day. I'm sure there was many meltdown days. But, we're, you know, we, we like to think of enlightenment as this, oh, we're all so happy and stuff. You know, but it's sometimes you need to cry and sometimes you need, and you said you cried in that doctor's office, but tell us the day you came up against yourself and said, I don't know about this. Well, there were uh, two that I can think of. The first one is like right after my diagnosis, getting out of the shower and um, in my bathroom, I had like these huge mirrors up, um, you know, in like half the room and I got out of the shower and I saw my naked body and it like really, really hit me like deep inside what a fool I was hmm. not appreciating my body as it is. Hmm. It was like, how many times have I gotten out of the shower and my eyes automatically went to this little bulge in my belly or went to the dimple in my thighs and focused in on those things that I didn't like instead of actually loving that body that I had prior to being diagnosed with this, you know, lump in my breast. That was a really sobering moment. And the other really sobering moment for me was um, I had a port put in to do um, low-dose chemotherapy and to do some other like um, IV type treatments. And I had only one arm that they could use because I had lymph nodes removed from the other arm. So I had this port put in and um, after my second round of low-dose chemo, I developed a blood clot. And my arm swelled up and it felt hot. And I really went from this place of empowerment of like, I'm getting a, I'm moving along. I've surrendered to the fact that I have cancer. I found the type of treatment I want to do. And then, bam, out of nowhere came this blood clot. And I went from here of empowerment to so low on victim level 
in like a matter of seconds thinking, this is it, I'm going to die. I'm going to die of this blood clot. Like I did my surgery, I've decided upon these treatments, and this blood clot is going to be the thing that killed me. Um, that was really, really sobering to realize that I was going to be okay. It was just going to take time to figure out what it is and what's best way to treat this. But it was a really, really scary situation um, that I really, you know, it really sidetracked my, my whole cancer um, journey, whatever we want to call it. It was, they were sobering moments, the getting out of the shower and really seeing my body and being like, you're an idiot for not loving yourself as is. And then thinking that I was going to die from this blood clot. Well, those are really important ones. Even when I was working with that woman, she'd say, Oh, I'm just gained all this weight. And I'd say like, Oh, there's going to come a day that you're going to wish that you could get a few pounds back on yourself. So, you know, this is, this is about acceptance. Let's this, let's end this hero's journey on a note. Cause now you're running again. I saw, I just saw that you just finished up another marathon and so talk to, talk to us about how you then overcame and started running, running, running again. Well, the, 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 it's kind of funny because that claim to fame, that bio is what people reflected back to me when they read my book. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did blah, blah, blah. Well, running is such an important um, thing for me. One, because it's in nature. <laughs> It forces me to be outside in every element, summer, winter. And um, it was one of those things that helped maintain my sanity while undergoing treatments. And like, let's be real. I wasn't out, like if I felt miserable, it wasn't like I was forcing myself to go out and run five or six miles if I was feeling miserable. No, it was when I felt good, I did more. And when I felt lousy, I did less. Um, but it was... It made me feel healthy to be running. Hmm. And I clung to feeling healthy while undergoing cancer treatments. So um, when I finished my 33 rounds of radiation, my husband came with me for my official checkout um, appointment because I could not stand being a, um, with that doctor because I was so afraid he was going to tell me there's fear. I was afraid he was going to tell me I needed more treatment. So I had my husband along with me and I literally stayed in the zone. Like I didn't make eye talk contact with this doctor. My husband, Frank dealt with him. And um, one of the last things the doctor said as I was getting up to leave was um, now you can resume physical activity. And I was thinking, you know, you don't know me. Like I've done so much research that talked about why it's so important to exercise when you're undergoing cancer treatments or stressful situations. After that, I walked out of there. Two weekends later, I had done a half marathon because I had been training all along. And then one of those questions that was always hanging up in our house was, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And my answer for years on end was a marathon. And I said, I just went through cancer treatments. I can freaking do anything. So three, uh, six months after running that half marathon, I did a full marathon just to, just to say I did it. Not only did I do cancer treatments, but I did uh, a full marathon. So cross that off the list. But running is one of those things that forces me to be outside in nature, forces me to be out in any type of weather, and it makes me feel healthy. How great is that? What a great way to end. Now, how can people reach you? who want to know more. So 
you can find me by www.redefining-healthy. And then for your people, I put together a special um, ways to ditch the toxins within your house. And then that link is redefining toxins. And I'll give you that link um, so that people can uh, pull up. There's like five simple tips for getting rid of the toxins that are inside your home. Perfect. And for those of you who just happened on this, this IM symposium out of Facebook cyberspace or 